It's great to see you today. Hope you've had a good week. Today, we're going through the book of Proverbs. We're looking at wise words from King Solomon. And today, I picked out the, the verses that are related to your schedule. Because if you're like me, do you ever get through the day and feel like, I didn't get anything accomplished? You're trying. You're trying to get things done, but it just seems like, where did the time go? Well, U.S. News and World Report, they had an article that said where the time went. They said in the average lifetime, we'll spend six years eating. That's a lot of eating. <laughs> six years. Five years waiting in line. Sometimes I feel like I've had more than five years already. Four years doing housework. Two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. One year looking for misplaced objects. Eight months opening junk mail. Six months sitting at a stoplight. That's where our time is going, right? It's just over 20 years on a computer or TV. And that's where our time goes. So I can understand why people are stressed. Because your time is your life, right? And you think, you mean I spent six years at a stop sign? That doesn't sound exciting. Uh, it doesn't seem like my life is being used in the right way. The National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health released a study that said executive stress costs the country billions of dollars. They estimate over $100 billion a year goes into stress, costing companies because people can't go to work because of stress and this and that. We live in a very stressful society. But I think that there's an antidote to that, and we can find that from the wisdom of King Solomon. So we're going to look at three keys to reducing stress in your schedule. Number one is line up your priorities. In Proverbs 17, 24, it says, An intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. Line up your priorities. If you don't know what your priorities are, you're going to be all over the place. You're not going to know what to to do. If you know what your priorities are, it's easy to focus to take away the stress. Because stress comes from me spending a lot of time doing something that I shouldn't be doing. Not that it's bad stuff, but it's away from my priorities. I'm given focus to minor things when there's major things that need to take place. Have you ever felt like the guy in the circus? Have you seen the guy in the circus that spins plates? They have these little bitty things, and he's spinning a plate here, he's spinning a plate here, he puts a plate here. Right when this one gets going, then this one starts to wobble, and he's over there, and he's over there. Have you seen those guys do that? They're amazing, but has your, have you ever felt like that's your life? You know, like, right when this is going good, then you have to go back and get this going, and then you have to get back here. And life can be really crazy. It can really stress you out. It can just seem like there's too much going on. Well, selection is the name of the game. We have to choose where we're going to focus our time. What's really important? And if you don't decide what's important, somebody else is going to decide for you. And you're going to probably end up doing things that really aren't right for you and not the best use of your time. In Proverbs 12, 11, it says, it's stupid to waste time on useless projects. So you want to learn that the difference between what's really important right now and what can I just let go of? What do I, can I put off? There are some things that you maybe should never do. What's the difference between activity and accomplishment? Because sometimes we're busy. It's not like that. It's not like we're going through life doing nothing, sometimes we're very busy, but we're not accomplishing anything. 
Some things aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. And we find ourselves majoring on things that we don't want to major on. So what's the solution? We have to line up our priorities. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says, we should make plans counting on God to direct us. I know some believers have somehow got it in their mind that I just follow God's guidance. I don't make plans. Well, that's not biblical. We should make plans. The idea is you make a plan and you rely on God's guidance. It's not Christianity isn't people just sitting back and not making a plan. No, God's given you enough intelligence to know certain things. I need to go in this direction. This is what I need to do with my life. And you know it. And you plan it out. But you're still relying on God to direct it because things never go as planned. You're still being sensitive to God's spirit within the plan. But it's the right thing to make a plan. We should make plans, counting on God to direct us. Proverbs teaches us to think through our life. I've always found it odd that a lot of people have put a lot of planning on what happens when they die. They put a will together. They really plan it out. And you ask that same person, what's your life goals? And they look at you with a blank stare like, like you're speaking a different language. Like they've never thought about a life goal. Like they've never put in writing their goals for their life, their objectives, what they want to do while they're living. But they put in writing what they want to happen when they're dead. That just doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't it make more sense to have a plan for while you're alive? You know, I, I just don't understand that type of thinking. So we want to have a plan for how we live. We want to know where we're headed. We want to have an agenda that we believe that we're called to, and we want to go for it. Jesus modeled this. He was praying, and his disciples couldn't find him, and they were looking for him, and they found him. And then they were doing everything they could to try to encourage him to go back to the town and continue doing these great, awesome things because it was like a big celebration. But because Jesus knew his priority, he knew that he was supposed to go from town to town to town, that when people would try to hold him back and say, stay here, stay here, he always politely excused himself and went to the next town. He did that because he wasn't living by the spur of the moment. Like, hey, what do you think we should do now, guys? He, he already knew the plan. Because he knew the plan, he could say no to good things. Is it good to stay with those people longer and maybe even heal more people? And do Yeah, there's good things there. But he knew to say no to good things because he had something better that he needed to do. When you know your priorities, you know what to say no to, you know what to say yes to. We need that in our life. That takes away stress. So much stress is when I get there and I don't know what to say no to. I don't know what to say yes to. That's when stress takes place in our life. So I want you to rate yourself on this one like we did last week. On your note somewhere, a number between 1 and 10. If you say, I, I don't know what my life goals are, give yourself a 1. If you say, I know my life goals, I've written them out, I'm going for them, give yourself a 10. If you're somewhere in between there, give yourself a number. My goal is that you'll get to number 10. And I want you to write down honestly where you are now, and then I want you to think, what am I going to do 
to be a 10. What was started at least by writing out your goals, taking time out and thinking, what exactly do I believe God wants me to do? Write it out and then pursue it. That's what a 10 is. They know exactly what they're doing and they're pursuing it. They know what their purpose. Number two in your notes, if you want to relieve stress from your schedule, lighten up your attitude. You know why? Because stress has less to do with your schedule and more to do with your attitude. There are two people that are in the exact same situation, you know, same stressful schedule, and one person's calm, and they have the ability to keep their cool, and some, the other person is stressed out, and it's just driving them up the wall, and they, they're worried they can't sleep at night. I've got too much going on. Two people, exact same situation, but they handle it different. You know what that tells you? It's not your schedule. It's you. It's not your schedule. It's you. You have the ability to have a crazy schedule and still lighten up your attitude. There's some control that you have on how you deal with a hectic life. I'm not saying that your life isn't hectic. I'm saying do you have a choice in how you respond to it? In Proverbs 12, 25, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But notice anxiety is in his heart. It's something that he's owned. It's something that he's taken, and it's going to weigh him down. Lighten up. Lighten up. Don't take life so seriously. Sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. Jim Irwin, who's part of the moon landing years ago, and they asked him, what does it take to be an astronaut? And he said, first you need this intense desire to get away from it all. You know, and he, he humor. You know, it's humor. He, you know, I can't think of anything more stressful than probably being an astronaut. I imagine that that was very stressful. But humor, someone that has the ability to laugh at things, I think it makes you less stressful. Humor is a gift from God that helps you to have some sort of stress relief. It's like life's shock absorber. It helps you to, you know, you can't change the situation, but it helps you to change your attitude, your perspective uh, during tough times. It's great to go through hard times and be able to still laugh and have a good time. I've met people. In fact, when I think about the most difficult time I ever went through financially in my life, it was like, uh, I must have been about 28, 27. And I, I was out of work at the time, and I was living with my sister who also was out of work, and a friend, three people in one apartment out of work. We didn't know what we were going to do. Where were we, are we going to be on the streets? Or we didn't know what was going to happen. But when I think back, that was one of the most fun times of my life. Um, it's fun not to have to work. No, but that's not the point. <laughs> no, it, it was one of the most fun times of my life because of the atmosphere in our home. None of us were the type of people that were down in the dumps and stressing everybody out and what are we going to do? We all just continued enjoying life. We were looking for jobs. We were doing everything we could. But we come home and tell stories, and we were having a great time, having you know, fun together. Uh, we reached a point that we had no money, but my brother had his car parked at our apartment because he was gone somewhere. I can't remember where he was now. But we looked under the seats of his car. We pulled the seats out to try to find change, and we found enough. And we just had this idea, maybe we can find change under the seats of his car. And we actually did. And we had enough money to buy at an AMPM mini market one big gulp because they had a special. So we figured one big gulp and we'll divide that between the three of us. And we, we bought one of those AM 
p.m. hamburgers. They're not that great, but we divided it into three parts, and that's all we ate the whole day. That was at our lowest point. My sister got a job the next day as a waitress in a bowling alley. They had a restaurant connected to it, and because she was able to eat there herself, and she had tip money, and the next day, uh, that next evening, there, uh, me and my uh, other roommate ate. But, you know, that was the hardest time I ever went through financially, and yet it was one of the most fun times. Not that that was fun, but the atmosphere, that we were having a good time being together. We didn't allow the stress to take us down. We were concerned about it, but it was like a relaxed concern. Somehow, some way, we knew it was going to work out. We just didn't know how, and it ended up working out. It tells me this. We have the ability to go through hard times and still have an attitude that makes it enjoyable, that makes things enjoyable. You know, I'm not talking about someone in prison camp, POW, being tortured. But in general life, we can go through hard times and still enjoy life. Because it's, it's our attitude more than the circumstance that we're in. In Proverbs 14, 30, it says, A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. It makes you live longer. Why? Because of stress. You know, stress kills you. It does a toll on your body. It literally does shorten your life. It's, it, it's physically bad for you. And a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. They say there's rules about stress. And you've heard this, you know. Rule number one in stress management, don't sweat the small stuff. And rule number two, everything is small stuff. And when you understand that, it is a good thing to live by. Because most of the things, everything's pretty small in the bigger picture of life. So practice that relaxed concern. You care about things, but you relax and you trust God. And you choose to have a good attitude no matter what you're going through. Jesus did this. All the time. When you see how Jesus does his public ministry, there's someone over here that's dying, and he takes his time to get there. I never understood that. But a lot of it was because he wanted people to see what, what God could really do. But he had that attitude of that relaxed concern. I think as a 12-year-old, he already had his priorities lined up. At age 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. The first words that you hear about Jesus, that you hear, record it or I must be about my father's business. As a 12-year-old, he had his priorities lined up. He knew where he was headed. But then when you watch him go, he's not someone, when you see him in history and how he deals with people, he knows what he's supposed to do, so he's running and running and trying to do it all. And, you know, I've got to feed everybody. I've got to heal everybody. I've got to save everybody. Do you know when he died, there were still people that weren't saved? When he died, there were still people that weren't healed? You know, when he would die, there were still people he didn't feed. There were still hungry people. Okay, so he, even though he knew his purpose, he didn't do it out of stress. He had a relaxed concern. I'm not talking about callousness. He wasn't callous at all. He had the ability to be relaxed and still care for the people and love on them. In Proverbs 17, 22, it says, being cheerful keeps you healthy. It is a slow death to be gloomy all the time. I'll tell you what, if you're gloomy all the time and you live a long life, it's still death. I mean, what kind of life is that? To be just down in the dumps all the time. So being cheerful keeps you healthy. You want to stay healthy. Medical research talks about the positive 
positive chemical changes that take place in your life, in your body, just from laughter. Laughter, it releases T-cells, these endorphins, that actually work as like painkillers, natural painkillers. Uh, laughing relaxes your body. Have you ever laughed so hard about something that it made you weak, like you could hardly stand up? Because laughter releases something into your body that makes your body relax. That's why. It's not just a phenomenon that happens to you. It's for anybody. When you're laughing, your body releases endorphins that makes you want to relax. That takes away stress. Laughter or stress? I, I think laughter is better than stress. Humor is a good thing in your life. It's a God-given ability that he gives us to actually physically help us to feel better. Playing. Playing. You know how kids, you know, they, kids can go, be going through stressful things, and you see little kids, and they can go out and play, and it takes away their stress. Why? Because they're out there having fun. For a kid, that's out there having fun. We as adults, sometimes we forgot how to play. We don't go out to play anymore. We, we, we've lost the ability to understand how healthy that is for our life. Some people say things, you know, obviously the way that we go out and play might be different, but going out and having a good time and having fun. Some people say, I can't go out and have a good time because I feel miserable right now. But that's the whole point. It's going out and having a good time that takes away the misery. That's the whole reason why. Sometimes you just have to, like, go out and play. Do you, did your parents ever tell you that when you were a kid? Uh, maybe people, maybe there was too much stress in the house, and dad says, kids, go outside and play. He was doing you a favor, because once you go outside and play, you start feeling better. You start feeling healthier. It takes away a lot of the negative things that you're feeling inside or that are going on in your life. Have you heard people say, someday I'm going to look back at this and laugh? Well, I believe what the Word of God is teaching us is you don't have to wait till someday. Why don't you just laugh about it now? Why can't you just lighten up about things now? Why can't you have fun with it now? I've told you this several times. This is one of the most amazing things uh, in my life being married to Tanya. Tanya has the ability to... Things that my, react, my first reaction is, oh. And then she finds humor in it, in whatever happened. And, re- and, and what she says is really funny. It makes me laugh. And by nature, I would be like, oh. And then I hear what she says, and I start laughing about it. And it changes my attitude. I've never met somebody that has that ability to just see humor in things that I, I couldn't ever get there. But when you hear her say it, it's funny, and it makes you laugh. And it makes the attitude in a home or in the car or whatever's going on so much healthier and feeling better. Did the situation change? No. But the humor changed me. It lightened up my life. See, the two biggest causes of stress is, first of all, trying to do too much. But secondly... It's really being too serious about things. Just being too serious about things. That will stress out your life. So rate yourself on this one. Do you have a positive attitude when you're going through things? Maybe you say, no, give yourself a one. I'm never happy. I can't, you know. Or do you have that ability to lighten up your attitude when you're going through tough times? If you say, yeah, 
you know, give yourself a 10, but mark yourself between one and 10 where you think you are. But your goal is to reach that point where you have the ability to lighten up, to not just be depressed by everything, to allow, you know, yourself to find humor, to allow yourself to have fun in life, even when life isn't fun. It changes everything. Number three in your notes, look up to God. Proverbs 10, 27 says, reverence for God adds hours to each day. Do you hear that? See, I've been convinced all my life that there's only 24 hours in a day. And the scripture is saying reverence for God adds hours to each day. What does that mean, adding hours to each day? What does it mean to add time to your day? I'll tell you what. What we tend to do when we're stressed out is to not have time for God. What does reverence mean? Respect for God. That means you're going to have time for God. Reverence, the most important, you know, this is the most important point of all these. See, stress is a warning light. Whenever you get under stress, it means you've taken your eyes off of God. Because think about it. Would you stress out about that if you really trusted in God? If you really had reverence for God and trusted him and believed God's in control, would you have ever even gotten stressed out about that issue? The truth is you wouldn't. If you truly 100% believed that God was in control, if you truly 100% believed that God's going to work it out for the best, no matter what, how he does it, he's going to work it out for the best, you'd have zero stress. So what happens is I get my eyes off of God. That's why stress comes in. Worry comes in. Anxiety comes in. It's always connected to your faith. There's never a time that it's not connected to your faith. When your faith is strong, you don't worry about things that other people worry about because of God. You believe in him. But when you get your eyes off of God and you get your eyes on the circumstances, you worry. God wants to add hours to your day. You can spend that day worrying, which means you're losing all that time stressing, or you can spend that time trusting God and getting on with your life and get those hours back. Because you could lose those hours worrying, stressing, not knowing what to do. Or you could use those hours for something good going forward, doing whatever you can do. Sometimes we say, I need more time. Well, this verse is great. Reverence for God adds time to each day. If I need more time, I, I need to revere the Lord. Have you, I see this like tithing. Have you seen this? The Bible talks, I don't know if everybody here knows this, but the Bible talks about taking 10% of your money and giving it to God. That's a lot, right? 10% of your money. It's not if you're not used to doing it. I've been doing it all my life, so I don't know any different. But if, if someone, if I were to start today and I had never done it before, I'd be thinking, 10%? How would we make it? And the Bible talks about when you give to God, he's going to take care of your finances. In other words, it's saying living a 90% and 10 to God is somehow going to be easier than living on 100% for myself. In math, it's bad math. Any mathematician out there, you know that's bad math. 90% doesn't work out better than 100%, but God says it does, and then you do it, and it does, and you don't know why. This is the same thing about adding hours to your life. It doesn't make sense that when I'm so busy to take time out to pray and read my Bible and use time for something else that's going to slow me down from these things I have to get done. It doesn't make sense. Because you're losing time away from 
what you have to do, what you have to do, what you have to do. And this, the Bible verse is saying no. It's the complete opposite. He's saying take time away from that and spend it with God and he'll add hours to your day. In other words, he's saying you'll get more done in life when you take out the time to spend with God than you will if you're too busy to spend with God. Too busy to spend with God. I like the way that Martin Luther said it. He said, I'm so busy today, I better spend three hours praying. He was really right. He understood that verse. I'm so busy today, I better spend three hours. I'm, you know, I've really got to add in the prayer this time. That goes against everything that logic would say. I'm so busy today, I don't have time to pray. I'm so busy today, I don't have time to read my Bible. And he's saying like, man, I'm so busy today, I better set up. Maybe I better use the whole morning. Because it's a, it's a trust thing. Do you believe that God's in control? Never get so busy that you don't have time for God. If you don't have time for God, your priorities are wrong. You're too busy. You, you're really putting your belief on the wrong things. See, what I think happens is we do two things that cause stress. You know, we take ourselves too seriously, but we don't take God seriously enough or serious enough. You know, we, we're so stressed about us, but we don't take God seriously. If I took God seriously, I wouldn't be stressed because I'd be trusting what he said. Oh, I know God says that, but I don't really take that seriously, what God says. But these circumstances, whoa, what I have to do, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. If I took God seriously, I'd say, oh, I know my life is hectic. I better pray. I better spend time with him too. I can't neglect him. He's going to help me. He's going to give me that time back. Proverbs 14, 26 says, reverence for God gives a man deep strength. You have deeper, a deeper strength when you have reverence for God. What does that mean? Respect for God. When you respect God, that means putting him first. There is no respect for God if you don't put him first, right? The only way to respect God is to put him first. If I put him first, I'm going to get strength out of that. Are you making time to know God? Don't ever allow yourself to believe that you're too busy to spend time with God. You're never too busy. In fact, all the more reason to spend time with God. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust the Lord completely in everything you do. Put God first, and He will direct you and drown your efforts with success. But it says, Put God first. Trust in Him. That's where you get the success. Do I believe in hard work? Yes, 100%. But you really want success. You put him first. You don't go out there working so hard you don't have time for God. What do you have your eyes on? Do you really have your eyes on the circumstances? Do you really have your eyes on, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this? Or do you have your eyes on God? And you're really trusting him. And because you trust him and you spend time with him, and then you go for it. Corrie Ten Boom, she's the lady that was in the uh, Nazi prison camp. Um, uh, years ago, of course, she's already passed away. But she said something that I thought was so interesting. She said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. And that's true. The world, some of the politic things I see going on, and I look at the world, it makes you feel distressed, doesn't it? Anybody else felt that during the political season? Yeah, you feel distressed by some of the things you're seeing out there. And it doesn't even matter what side you're on. Republican or Democrat, it, it's, you see, it, it builds distress on both, both 
looking at it from different uh, angles. It's bad. Have you ever looked within and got depressed? Yeah, we all do. There's things about that you look in and, and you get depressed because you know, oh, how am I going to pull this off? That can't be done. So I want to look at Christ to have rest. If I want rest, if I want peace in my life, I've got to find that in Jesus Christ. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the circumstances or someone that can overcome those circumstances? What I like about these points, too, is that you can pray them. You can be praying every day, Lord, help me get my priorities in order. Well, you're thinking about it. Can you imagine if your prayer life involved thinking about your priorities? That's going to be a great way to start your day. And then you think about your attitude. Where's my attitude? And you get your attitude in check before you start the day. That's going to affect the whole day. And then you look up to God. You get your relationship with God going. Okay, you know, I'm trusting you, God. You, you, you put him first. If you start your day with those type of things, you will be more successful. You have the right attitude, the right faith, the right priorities to do the right thing. It's easier to have success when you take the time out to pray and think about those things. I found this online. It's called the Japanese paraphrase of Psalm 23. And here's what it says. The Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness which restore my serenity. He leads me in the ways of efficiency through calmness of mind, and this guidance is peace. Even though I have a great many things to accomplish this day, I will not fret for his presence is here. His timeliness is all important. He will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity. By anointing my mind with his oils of uh, tranquility, my cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruit of my hours, for I shall walk in the peace, in the pace of my Lord and dwell in his heaven forever. I thought, what a... Sometimes, you know, you read uh, Psalm 23. It's such a famous uh, chapter. You've re- you read it over and over and over again, and it doesn't mean anything because you almost have it memorized and you've heard it a thousand times. But I just thought, this is re- very relevant to our life today, the fast pace that we go through. And uh, um, I just like that. Mark 8, 37 says, What will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is a question you want to ask yourself on a regular basis. What am I giving my life away for? What am I giving my time to? Because that's all you have, right? Everybody has a limited amount of hours. That's one thing that you give out that you can never get back is your time. You can give money and get money back. You can give money to this and then, you know, you temporarily lose it, but then it's an investment that comes back and you get more back. Time is the one thing that when you give, you lose it. So you're thinking, what am I giving my time to? Is it something worth losing my time? Because your time is your life, right? That's all you have in life is time. You know, is it worth my life? Well, I think there's something that you want to ask yourself when you're living. Is this really worth giving my time to? Ralph Saltman says, give the best you have to the highest you know and do it now. Give the best you have. I'm going to give my very best to what? The highest I know. Whatever I feel like, you know, God, what you, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to give the best I have to it, and I'm going to do it now. Why do it now? You're not promised tomorrow. 
You're not promised next week. You're not promised next year. You don't say, this is my dream that I want to do. <clears throat> I'm going to start, I'm, I'm going to do that in about eight years. You don't know if you're going to be here in eight years. Nobody knows. If you have a dream, do it now. Do it now. Not in 10 years I'm going to do this, in 15 years I'm going to do it. No, do it now. See, when you stand before God, he's not going to say, are you Buddhist? Are you Methodist? Are you Baptist? Are you Lutheran, Catholic, Jewish? He's not going to ask that. He is going to ask you, what did you do with your life? And you can't say, well, eight years in the future, I was going to do this. They said, but what did you do in the meanwhile? Well, nothing, because that's down in the road. No, that's not, you know, wrong answer. Okay? He's not going to ask, you know, he's going to ask, what did you do with your life? I can't, like, do it now. If you believe that, you know, be serving God now. Be going for it now. He'll also ask you about your relationship with Christ. Is he in the center of your life? You're not going to have that peace in your schedule if your life's out of control, because it's not really that your schedule's out of control. It's that my life is out of control. Because you can't have a controlled life without the creator being a part of it. No one's going to give you peace more than God can. So God wants you to have a manager for your life. And he wants to be that manager. Everybody has a manager. But we have some bad managers. He wants to be the manager of your life. I like that Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I've been in religious circles where it meant, come on to me, and I will just work you to death. You know, that, there's no rest in that. You know, that's not what it's supposed to be. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to give you rest. Do you know what? When you're doing what you love doing, it is restful. That's why I always say, find out what your dream is and pursue it, because you do it for God. Everybody should serve in the church. You know, everybody should serve in the church somehow. But it should never be, it should never wear you out because you find that thing that you love doing, and that's what you do. You just do it for God. Can you see how when you love doing it, it's restful? In, in fact, it gives you energy. Have you ever been asked to do things that you can't stand doing? And you, it's hard, for, it's, it's like, ah, oh, it's hard to have the energy to do it. You're just fighting to do it because it's not who you are. It's not who you are. When you do it God's way, he gives you rest. In fact, he gives you energy. So if it's God, find, you know, what do I love doing and do it for God? Because this plan for you is going to be good. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be acceptable. It's going to be something that you like. So if you're stressed out in life, try to find a job that's where you're wired. If you're stressed out in church, try to find a ministry that you're wired to do. That's what it is, being what God's called you to be. Because God's not in the business of putting heavy burdens on you. God's in the business of trying to give you peace and joy and a, and a great life. So rate yourself on this one. Am I so busy I don't have time for God? Give yourself a one. If you're the type of person that, no, every day, no matter what, I make sure I have time for God, give yourself a 10. But you might be somewhere in between there. Mark where you are. But I want you to make a commitment to try to get to number 10, where he is a priority in your life. Not just verbally, but like really in your life, you spend time with him. Have you noticed that the people that you hang around with a lot, you start to think like them over time? 
You start to be like them over time because they influence you. Who do you want to be influenced by? Well, I want to be influenced by Jesus, right? That means I need to spend time with him. If I'm spending time with any group of people and not Jesus, I'll be more influenced by them than I will by Jesus. So I want to make sure that I'm spending time with Jesus. He's an influence in my life. I want him to influence me more than anybody. Anybody. This is one of the things that I'm bringing up a lot because of the election year that really bothers me. I, it bothers me so much when I find believers that their way that they see life lines up with the political party. What does that tell you about a believer? If, you're, if the way you see life lines up with the Democratic Party or if the way that you see life lines up with the Republican Party, then they're the authority for your life. Not Jesus, not the Bible. A Christian, the way he lives, his life should line up with what the Bible says, who God is. And when that happens, he can see the Democratic Party and see, oh, these are good things and these are bad things. He can look at the Republican Party and he can say, oh, these are good things and these are bad things. See, but it's crazy. It absolutely drives me nuts that there's believers that line up with the Democratic Party or line up with the Republican Party. That means you're not thinking. That means you're not thinking. Because each party has good things. Each party has bad things. You still might tend to vote one way or the other. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you as a Christian should have the ability to, to know that's bad, but that's good. That's bad, that's good. And see it. And if you can't see it, you've been blinded. The Republicans are not Christians. The Democrats are not Christian. They're a political party. We're the Christians. Right? And we're going to agree with some of the things over here and disagree with that. And we're going to agree and disagree with that. And that's, that, that's good. That's good. But I, it bothers me. And you see it on both sides. And I think, like, what's going on? What happened to Christianity when, it, you know, when people don't know the difference between a political party and what they say and what the Bible says? No political party is right. They both have good things and bad things. And then you have to choose and vote according to what you think is best. But, uh, and if people will still vote in two different ways. That's not my point. My point is you should have the ability to know and see the good and the bad in each. With that, let's pray. Lord, we ask you to help us to line up our priorities, to put first things first. Lord, help us to lighten up our attitude so that we can enjoy life, even in the stress that we go through. And Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I want to live for you. I want to have you number one in my life. I want to trust in you with everything. Because what is life apart from you? You're the creator. Lord, I ask that you help us to take these truths and make them a part of our life. Lord, that we'll be the type of people that know our priorities and pursue them. We'll be the type of people that have the type of attitude that can go through tough times. And Lord, we'll be the type of people that trust you along the way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I love Proverbs. I think there's so much wisdom there. As you're reading through Proverbs, because we've asked everybody to read through the book of Proverbs one chapter uh, a day. As you're reading through Proverbs while we're going through this series, find the key verses that really speak to you and memorize them. Even if you just read through and you picked out, like when you're reading through it, you see something like, wow, that's great, and you highlight it. 
on your Bible, if you picked out the 10 verses in Proverbs that impacted you the most and memorized them, it would affect your life. There is so much wisdom in Proverbs. So I'm really enjoying uh, these messages and studying Proverbs and stuff as a pastor. It's, it's been a, a great delight uh, to be a part of that. So I hope that you can do the same.